0: I need my plastic surgeon to call me and tell me that this isn't anything serious because I'm in Miami. I am not in New York. I am not close to my doctor. Is this going to be an infection? This is very close to my expander. Am I going to lose my expander? How serious is this?
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to season two. This is Shauna. And this is Rosalina. And we're your hosts for Too Young for This Shit podcast. This podcast is not just about boobs, but I journey with cancer. We are young millennials open about giving you a raw and unfiltered look into our lives. We are in no way medical professionals, nor are we offering medical advice. Any medical references are cited directly from public websites or from our personal diagnosis. Some topics and stories may be triggering to those who are fighting, have fought, or have loved someone with.
0: All right, so it has been about it's been about four months since I have finished radiation, and there has been a lot, kind of a lot going like lot going on in my life um, as far as post cancer goes. Um, so finishing radiation was such a relief for me. I I was so done with going every day. I was so done. I was mentally and physically exhausted. I was just, I, I, there was really, I had nothing left in me to, to give anybody. I felt like I really was, I was hitting the bottom of the barrel as far as my energy, my time, my mental headspace I, I was struggling. It was the worst. It was really honestly the worst that I had felt like in my entire breast cancer journey. Truly. I, everyone, nobody, I felt really unprepared for how I was going to feel during radiation. And what I mean by unprepared is that everyone told me I was going to handle it. Great. I, it was going to be a breeze compared to chemo. And, and I went into it really blinded and I felt really misled and I felt really angry because I felt really misled that, you know, I was going to handle this amazingly. And it, it was the opposite. I was a disaster. I felt emotionally unstable. I felt physically so beyond exhausted. And my body was in so much pain. And when i when I say pain, like not, not, I was, I was burned. Like my skin was burned. My muscles were, were definitely suffering due to radiation, but it was my entire body. When I say every joint in my body hurt, like my feet were absolute, like absolutely in agony standing. I was in agony. I my ankles didn't move. When I stood up to go walk, my ankles wouldn't move. So I was doing this like waddle stomp to try to basically loosen up my body every time I went from a sitting to standing position. And the the joint pain that I was having, I had prior to even having cancer. I had Lyme's disease when I was about 26, 27 years old. And from then I had a chronic Lyme where I, I had some really uncomfortable joint pain, but never to the point where I was immobile. I was able to walk. I, you know, it was more of just like in the winter, my joints hurt. It was a lot of stiffness, but it didn't affect me being able to get up off of the couch. Like it just was uncomfortable. And I dealt with it and I saw doctors and was put on some medicine and to try to help loosen me up. And come summer, most of the time, like my joint pain was really minimal. You know, I was able to live an active life. It really wasn't like a make or break for my body. You know, it was definitely uncomfortable and something I did not, never wanted to live with, especially long-term, but I dealt with it. I was able to live my life. I would say I finished chemo in September and come September that's when a lot of my joint pain really started and was really uncomfortable. I was very, very uncomfortable, like to the point where, like I said, not being able to really walk well, being really uncomfortable, sleeping hurt, you know, laying on one side hurt. My hips were in agony, my feet were in agony, my ankles didn't move, my fingers, I'd wake up in the morning and my fingers wouldn't move. Uh, My fingers were swollen, my hands were swollen. My back was killing me. I mean, like I could literally start naming every major joint pain in every major part of my body, my back, like every, I mean, everything hurt. And I, I had kept going to my oncologist and I had a meltdown, like a full blown meltdown in November that also, I think, co you know, coincided with the fact that I was in the middle of radiation and just emotionally tapped out and physically exhausted to where I My, that type of meltdown, like it was just like a colossal meltdown that my oncologist was definitely not prepared for when she walked into that exam room for sure. I know. And I said, I'm, I'm sick of being in pain. I'm sick of being in pain. I am sick of everything. I'm sick of cancer. I'm sick of treatment. I am sick of coming here every goddamn day. I'm sick of everything. And I'm really sick of being in pain. And I, it came down to the point of being like, what is the point? What is the point of, what was the point of fighting this? What was the point of feeling like I needed to fight when I am in this much pain now? Not even from cancer, just from the medicines that helped me try to fight cancer. Like, what is the point? And that was a real, real low for me. And I felt like a real intense sense of guilt because I'm sitting here complaining, like, why did I why did i finish chemo successfully and, and and now i'm i'm questioning my treatment because i i'm in pain like I, I why did i do this and i know that there's some some people that don't do treatment because they're so far past what chemo can do for them and like i started to feel a lot of guilt and it was a really terrible feeling and it, i felt like i was questioning everything and you know we started to kind of figure out like what's causing my pain. Is it mind you I was doing radiation in November. Like, is it the weather changing? Is it from chemo? Is it from the hormone therapy? At that point I was on Zolodex and I was really convinced it was the Zolodex shot. I don't know why, but I was like, I don't I don't feel this doesn't feel right. Like I don't my body does not feel good on this. Like I, I just was like it's the hormone therapy. You know, and that is a side effect is stiff joints. So we decided Let's switch to Lupron. Let like let's see if the side effects are you know mini, like minimal compared to the Zoladex. But like we're not going to just go off of everything. Like let's let's try the Lupron and see how that goes. We made the choice to switch to Lupron um, to see if the side effects would have been minimal. And I wasn't on track to start any of the hormone therapy pills until after radiation was finished. So. We're going to just kind of see if my body did better on Lupron than it did in Zolodex. So that was my first Lupron shot was the beginning of November. Um, At that point, I had been about two weeks into radiation. And that was when the fatigue was really setting in. I was not, I was not faring well. (laughs) To be completely honest, I was not doing well. I had finished radiation November, the last day of November. and. Come December, I was just really happy to be done with radiation. My skin was pretty raw. I was going, you know, to physical therapy and to try to like loosen Everything felt tight. My skin felt tight. My muscles felt tight. Like I was just at this point, like treatment's done. I need my, my arm back to some sort of like a better shape than it was. Like I was really just focusing on kind of recovering from radiation. I had some time off for Christmas and just what my focus was to like really just get some rest and you know try to like really focus on getting my body back to like a good place. Okay, so come December like mid-December, my it was the week before Christmas, I had physical therapy appointment and my physical therapy appointments are 30 minutes long and the first half of it is this massaging that she does. So it's wherever really I'm having some discomfort, whether it's like underneath my arm, like my armpit where I had my lymph node removal scar. Sometimes it's my shoulder if that's where the the tightness is. And so the first 15 minutes of my 30 minutes appointment, 30 minute appointment is her really just doing the massaging and kind of loosening up the cording and loosening up, you know, wherever tension I'm having in my arm. And, you know, I was getting the massage and my physical therapist noticed like a basically it was like a little bump. It almost looked like a little pimple, but it wasn't. And you know, she said, "Oh, you know, you have like a little bump here. I don't know if it's a pimple. Like, have you seen this?" And because my underarm is so numb, not numb, it's the, basically the same as my my mastectomy scars. Like, you know, you have that you like the loss of sensation. I didn't feel anything. And because of radiation as well, my skin was still healing. I wasn't shaving. I didn't need to shave at that point. So I didn't really notice it because it was so deep into my armpit, like into the pocket of my armpit that I didn't even see it. And so she had mentioned it. And I was like, oh, you know, I, she's, I was like, oh, no, I didn't notice it. And she's like, well, does it hurt? I was like, well, I don't feel anything underneath there. So no, I guess it doesn't hurt. It's not bothering me. And she said, you know, all right. You're still healing from radiation, just like when you next time you see your radiology oncologist after the holidays, like just have her check it just so she can see it and she notices it. And I was like, okay, great. You know, didn't even think twice about it. You know, I got through Christmas and got through the new year and had all my appointments scheduled for the first week back uh, in January after and I had saw my radiology oncologist. And at that point, that little bump had just completely disappeared. It was not, not disappeared, but it definitely went down. It didn't look bad. It was just, it was like it had, had healed. It wasn't an issue. So I mentioned it. They were like, oh, it looks like it's healed. Not a big deal. Your skin is healing great. You know, we'll see you again the following month. Okay, great. You know, I did never thought anything about it. I'm still in a ton of pain all over my body at this point as still like now it's, you know, a month after radiation, I'm still uncomfortable. I go in for my Lupron shot and I am really like uncomfortable with the fact of getting this shot. I'm really like, I don't want to do it. I see my oncologist at the beginning of February, like I'll t- I'm going to talk to her about it. I'm going to give it one more month. If I'm still like in this much pain, I'm not, I'm going to have to talk to her about switching the first week of the new year in 2020, first of January, I go in and I have the shot and the Lupron shot is great because the needle is definitely not as big as the the Zoladex shot. The Zoladex shot needle is ginormous. It is inserted into your stomach, basically the same area of where you get, you have to do your fertility shots when you're doing the egg retrievals you know, you're you're like pinching your your stomach skin and like basically inserting a needle but this needle is ginormous and it shoots a pellet into your stomach. The lupron shot is not as intense. I feel like it's in my backside in, in my butt. The way that they insert it is so quick and so fast. I don't even bruise. It's not uncomfortable. In hindsight, it's like for me like that is a better it's like an easier way of getting injected like I shouldn't be this upset about taking Lupron compared to the Zolodex because like overall it's an easier, it's a way easier shot to have administered. Also with the Lupron, I did not bruise at all. Zolodex, I would bruise and I literally would not heal until 28 days later when I had to go back, do it all over again. I, I was grateful that the Lupron shot was definitely way less invasive, but I was still like, this isn't good for my body. My body doesn't feel good on this. I don't like this. I am in so much pain. I can barely walk. I'm back at work full time. I am in pain and I was, I'm working right now, basically 12 hour days. And with two kids that are under four years old, like I can't be feeling like this all the time. I'm coming home from work and I'm crying because I'm so exhausted and in so much pain. And by the time I go to bed, I have to wake up and do it all over again. I was a mess. I basically suffered through all of January and was going to PT still and just still in so much pain and seeing the physical, the, you know, my physical therapist that orders the physical therapy, my physio doctor. And he's like, all right, we're going to try some, you know, different other techniques to, to help with your pain. And he told me about a supplement that I could take that could possibly be helpful, but you know, we're just going to keep up with physical therapy. And he wants to see me for a special type of physical therapy. To help with the rest of the pain going on in my body, but he's so booked up that I could not see him until March. <laughs> and This is the you know, end of January at this point, the beginning of February hits. And I have a appointment with my oncologist, like first week of February, and I'm scheduled for my next Lupron shot. And I am now at this point, adamant that I'm not taking this Lupron shot. I just knew it. I'm not taking it anymore. This is my body's in shambles. I'm done being in pain. I'm done. Just after treatment, I just had hit a point where I just wanted to feel good in any, in any type of capacity, mentally and physically. I just wanted to feel good, and this isn't making me feel good anymore, and I'm done now. A few days before my oncology appointment, I noticed that there's an opening under my armpit again. Where that little pimple was that my physical therapist had noticed back in December. And I noticed it, but again, did not feel it because I don't have any sensation down there. And I noticed it's really red. It's really not looking good. And then I noticed that there is like a little opening in my skin and it's right at the incision line. And this doesn't look good. I get a breast exam every time I go see my oncologist. So I was like, this happened to be like the next day when I noticed it. And I was like, all right, I'm going to bring this up when I go see my oncologist. So the next day I go, I basically refused the lupron shot. (laughs) I told her I'm done. I told her, my oncologist, I was done. I just did not want to take it anymore that we need to figure something else out because I'm not taking this hormone shot anymore. I'm actually starting to really reconsider not taking any type of hormone therapy based off of how miserable I felt. And she really heard me. She did. She really heard me. She listened to all my concerns. She listened to me cry. She listened to me basically say fuck this and I'm done. And she was like we're going to try something else now. You're done with the lupron for now. We're going to get you off lupron. She said, you know, we need to get down to the bottom of this. We want you to meet with a rheumatologist. We need to start basically narrowing down like what could this be? You know, I had forgot to mention that in beginning of January Um, I had a scheduled PET scan just to kind of double check that my pain wasn't anything that went to my bones, you know, any of the like residual cancer that had gone to my bones. That was like the first thing they needed to rule out, which my oncologist, when she had ordered that scan um, back in December, she was really confident that it wasn't anything like that. It was not a metastatic breast cancer. She does not believe it, but because we need to narrow down what this is and what this isn't. She said it was super important to order a PET scan. And I was actually really relieved to have the PET scan. I never thought I would ever say that before in my life. I didn't even have any scans. I didn't really have any because I, I had a bone scan in September. There wasn't anything there. And so I kind of went into it being like, we're just ruling things out. She's confident. I'm confident. Like I'm going into this like very, very calm. And let's just now like pray to God that this really isn't anything that has gone to my bones. So I had gotten those results back and those, everything came back clean, which is nice, especially after finishing treatment, you know, after chemo, after radiation there, they don't order a PET scan most of the time. And I felt, it felt like just like an extra reassurance that, okay, chemo and radiation really did work as of now. You know, I, it, it felt good to have that test. You know, she had said to me, we are going to, we're stopping Lupron. We're going to delay tamoxifen, but that's what we want you to start on. We want you to see a rheumatologist. We need to figure out the joint pain and the pain in general. And I want to see you back in a month. I said, okay, great. That works for me. I like the idea of maybe trying tamoxifen, hoping that, you know, the symptoms are a little less intense than the the hormone shots. I mean, I don't want to be on any type of hormone therapy, but I was okay with the idea of stopping the loop and trying something new. I had scheduled a, an appointment with a rheumatologist and a rheumatologist is a doctor that, um, is just like basically an internist who can diagnose and treat arthritis and other joint and muscle bone diseases. So I had gone to see him and got like basically a full-blown blood panel to make sure that I wasn't dealing with any sort of a degenerative like joint disease or an autoimmune disease or arthritis, osteoarthritis, and maybe kind of figure out like what's going on. So I went, I had a full blood panel done, which was kind of nice too after chemo. They don't test you for everything when you go to your treatment centers. Like they basically are just checking your white blood cells and your, you know, your calcium and your it's the same blood panel they do for chemo. They checked my thyroid. They checked my cholesterol. They checked basically everything. And my, all my blood tests came back normal. I was a little high on the calcium, which I got rechecked for and everything ended up being fine. And my rheumatologist also had done like full x-rays. So basically from my neck down, they did x-rays of and you know they had said like I have like a slight little case of scoliosis which sounds terrifying but apparently is very common especially in women. So he had said that he said you know down the line you probably will have some some issues with that but nothing to where you'll need like any major surgery it will probably just be a lot of discomfort. And he said my joints looked good like I didn't have any type of joint like deterioration like the joints looked great but I did have like a lot of arthritis. I have um a lot of family history of osteoporosis and especially with the hormone therapy, which can cause a lot of osteoporosis. He told me to just really keep an eye on it, continue taking a vitamin D supplement and calcium and making sure I get a bone density exam every year. And just to kind of really be on top of, of that. And I was like really experiencing a lot of pain in my feet and he checked my feet as well and said, you know, other than like the the arthritis that you have, like there's nothing here. He's like, I think it might be a connective tissue issue due to chemo, but it's not joints. And I will let your oncologist know, and you can really start taking the tamoxifen again, or start taking tamoxifen. Like there's nothing here that's causing this. So I kind of left there like a little defeated, like, okay, so if it's not like a joint thing, then why am I having so much joint pain? What? So it's a connective tissue, like, Issue. How do I fix this? Like what do I do? You know, he wrote me a prescription for basically like a prescription at like a leave. Like it, like if nothing, it wasn't there's nothing any type of medicine can do to help this. There's not any physical therapy that can help this. Like, so why am I still in pain? Don't get me wrong, I'm super, super happy that the the rheumatologist didn't find anything. But chemo really did a number on my body to where I'm over six months out now. And I am in excruciating pain. I don't know if it was the the AC that did it or if it was the taxil that caused it. I know taxil is known for causing neuropathy and nerve pain or nerve damage. I don't know if that's it. I don't know. And I'm I've been giving a prescription for gabapentin, which I've been taking, and it takes the edge off, but it's not really helping all that much. So I'm still really kind of reeling from this pain that I'm in. And I, I don't know how to kind of move forward. I'm really hoping that as the weather gets nicer in New York, I mean, it's been 60s. Now it's been nice, like hopefully warmer weather will help with this, but I'm still trying to figure out how to navigate this pain that I'm in. That was what me and the oncologist discussed in the beginning of February I was going to see a rheumatologist. So. That was a result of that. Also during that visit, I had shown her now my opening in my skin and she took a look at it and was like, yeah, you do have an opening. Let me get your breast surgeon. My breast surgeon is the one that took my lymph nodes out. That's where the scar is. We don't know what's going on. So she actually ended up during that visit calling in my breast surgeon, who I actually adore. I was actually really excited to see her. And she took a look at it and goes, all right, well, we're just going to get some bond, and we'll just kind of close the skin up so that it heals and you should be fine. So I sat there and there was a her and a, like the a PA came in and they closed it up with Dermabond and they sent me on my way and it didn't bother me. It closed up. This was the beginning of February. I think it was February 4th, 2022. I went home, it cleared up. I had no other issues. I felt fine. Right. About a week and a half later, I leave for Miami. <laughs> and I was there for a wedding. Rosalina was also there for a wedding. We got to meet. It was great. I had seen her, I guess it was the Saturday. I went for a long weekend. was there Friday to Monday. I saw her on Saturday. And we met in Wynwood. And I had woken up and like it felt very, very tender underneath my arm and the next thing i know i have like a lump like a lump under my arm that is right underneath where they had like dermabonded my opening in my skin so we met up and i was kind of like i'm sorry i'm so happy excited to meet you but my plastic surgeon's going to probably call any minute so i just want you to be prepared i have this situation going on underneath my arm and I believe I showed I believe I showed it to her and it was big it was probably the size of like a like a golf ball sized lump and it wasn't red and it didn't hurt but it felt tender like it was hard and it was tender and it didn't like I said it didn't hurt and it wasn't red so I had taken pictures and I actually had first had called my breast surgeon because she's the one that derma bonded me up and I thought like this is a breast surgeon issue so I originally had called her and she saw the pictures. I called the emergency line because again, this was a Saturday. I called the emergency line and I had sent her pictures via my chart and she called me back and was like, I see this. It looks like maybe some fluid is trapped. It doesn't look red. It doesn't look infected. But because this is so close to your expander, it was basically underneath my armpit, but like where um, the skin like meets my breast. It was very close to my expander. This is now a plastic surgeon issue because of how close it is to the expander. And in order to get that fluid out, you're going to need some sort of an ultrasound guided needle to remove the fluid out of there. And you need to call your plastic surgeon. Okay. So I called the plastic surgeon waiting for a call back. I meet up with Rosalina, who I'm so pumped to meet, had to like basically say, I'm really excited to meet you. My plastic surgeon's going to call me. I have this lump. And I'm basically just like, trying to enjoy meeting Rosalina and like being in the moment and being present, but like also looking at my phone to be like, I need my plastic surgeon to call me and tell me that this isn't anything serious because I'm in Miami. I am not in New York. I am not close to my doctor. Is this going to be an infection? This is very close to my expander. Am I going to lose my expander? How serious is this? Like I needed somebody to call me from the plastic surgeon's office. And my plastic surgeon probably called about 30 minutes later and was so sweet. And she's like, I saw the pictures. I'm aware of what's going on. And talked to the breast surgeon. I saw your my chart message and I and the pictures. And it looks like there's some fluid buildup. I want to see you on Tuesday when you get back from Miami. It does not look like I need to send you to an emergency room. And I really don't want to send you to an emergency room to get this removed, the fluid removed, because of how close it is to your expander. I don't want anybody to damage the expander. Which was a valid thing. And I didn't really want anybody to touch me other than her anyway. So I kind of was able to go like on with my day and on with my weekend because it wasn't red. It really wasn't. It didn't. There was no like alarming surface level other than how big it was. There was no like skin change. Like there was no skin issues that were I was like, okay, this is infected. So I carried on with my day and I was just like, I'll, I'm going to go in on Tuesday. I'm going to get this drained, not an issue. There's not an infection. I'm not going to lose my expander. I'm going to enjoy the rest of my weekend. Great. Next day is Sunday and I'm getting ready to go to the wedding that I'm down in Miami for. And I'm trying to put some sort of like a bra on because I have two different size um, expanders that are filled at two different sizes. So I'm like trying to figure out how I can wear a dress. And have nobody see my cleavage. So I was like, I'm going to wear wireless strapless bra to kind of just like, give me some oomph without showing cleavage and that I can wear this dress and have nobody be looking at my chest all night. I was very self-conscious about what I was going to wear and how my breasts were going to look in a dress. This was like my first big event since COVID. And like, that was my real like concern was like, I don't want people staring at my chest all night. I don't want people like wondering what the hell's going on under there because there's a lot clearly and I'm not equipped to be like talking about this. I'm trying to have a good time. So I was so concerned about like getting a like a strapless bra on that. Like I tried to get it on and it was hitting the fluid buildup pot, like, you know, golf ball size pocket of fluid buildup. It was really uncomfortable. And then I realized like, this is starting to get red now. So now I'm panicked. Now I'm like, it's starting to get red. Today's Sunday. I leave tomorrow. I just have to make it until Tuesday. I'm sending her pictures and being like, what does this look like? And she's still like, I want to see you Tuesday. Just come into my office first thing on Tuesday. And I'm like, okay. So I basically deal with it throughout the wedding. Monday, I'm headed back to New York and I'm just kind of dealing with it. And Tuesday is, um, a day where my plastic surgeon is actually in surgery. So they were like, they said to call Tuesday and they would kind of get me in. So I called Tuesday and I'm basically saying like, this has, this is now red. It hurts. And mind you, I have no sensation under my arm. So now it is now traveled. It's gotten bigger, redder. It's warm. It's definitely some sort of an infection going on and I need to be seen. They are now looking at pictures on my chart and being like, okay, look, we need to get radiology involved to kind of figure out how to navigate this situation. Cause we need to get there. Obviously is some sort of an infection. We need to get radiology involved because they need to do a, a guided ultrasound to get whatever's going, whatever infection is in their app. So they send basically that they send me a, like a referral to, make an appointment with radiology. And the first appointment that I can get made is in Queens. It's not far from where I live, but all of my doctors are in Manhattan. And I was really upset because I really liked the radiologist that I saw in Manhattan. He put my port in, he took my port out. I really liked him. I really trusted him. So I was upset that I wasn't able to go to him, but it was the first appointment that I could get. And I wanted to be seen immediately. I go to Queens and I'm like getting an ultrasound and I wasn't anxious, like I didn't feel any skin anxiety then, I think, because it wasn't where I originally went to get my ultrasound done, you know, prior to getting my cancer diagnosis or getting my biopsy, it was a completely different facility. And so I was just kind of like, tell me what's going on so that we can like handle this. I didn't go in anxious, I was kind of just going and being like, give me answers now. And they were like, there's no fluid buildup. We can't do anything. And I was like, what do you mean there's no fluid buildup? Do you see what's going on in my arm? What do you mean there's no fluid buildup? And they were like, there is no fluid buildup here. Like there's nothing that we can remove because there's no fluid. You need to call your plastic surgeon. So now I'm pissed. I like get up off the table and I'm furious and I'm getting dressed and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, that's literally what I said. And I got really upset and the the nurse goes, after everything you've been through, this too shall pass. You'll get through this. And I look at her, I go, fuck off. Not my proudest moment, but like, you have no idea what I've been through. You know that I have breast cancer and you know that because I'm on the table shirtless and you see my mastectomy scars. You don't know what I've been through. You know, you know, based off of like my chart, maybe, but you don't know what I've been through. So don't tell me this too shall pass. Like- After in the the grand scheme of everything I've been through, I'll get through this. I know I'll get through this. Mind your fucking business. I leave there and I am raging, raging. I call my plastic surgeon and I'm like, there's nothing, there's nothing to drain. What do we do now? And she, and and now at this point, it's the end of the day. Like there's really not much we can do. And she's like, you need to come in first thing in the morning. So I call in first thing in the morning. My plastic surgeons, like nurse practitioners. So like basically the right, like it's my plastic surgeons, like right hand woman, you know? And she's like, I see this, this is infected. We're going to send you back to radiology because this is obviously an infection. We need to get this drained. We got to figure this out or you will lose your expander. Like you will have to have some sort of surgery at this. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like what kind of surgery? And she's like, you could lose the expander. We would have to take the expander out, clean it, remove it, clean it, either insert it back in once it's clean or we take it out. So now I'm panicked even more because I'm like, what else can possibly go wrong? Like, what else can I possibly have to deal with? Like after everything that's been going on, like I felt defeated and I was scared and I was like, we need to like freaking figure this out. So they send me back to radiology. But this time I go back to the radiologist who put my port in, who I love, who I have like serious crush on, Dr. Adam. It's not his name is Adam, but I call him Dr. Adam. Like I love him. So I see him and he's like, so we're back and I was like we're back. Everything's great again. <laughs> Dr. Adams here. So he does another like he does another sonogram and it's like there's no fluid in. You. Like there's no fluid. So now I'm like great. Guess who's having surgery? Basically me at this point. Like they told me like if there's nothing that we can drain. we're going to have to go in and have surgery. We're going to basically send you right to the ER and you're going to have surgery. So now I'm like freaking out. So they send me to the radiologist who is at my hospital where I had my double mastectomy. So not only now, like, am I freaking out because I'm actually at the hospital where I had surgery. So I'm like panicked. I'm like, we're back here. The last time I was here is because I had a double mastectomy. Um, so I was panicked about that. And now they're telling me i have to, I have to have, basically, I'm going to have to have another surgery. Like I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out. I'm like, people are texting me. I'm not answering my boyfriends with me. And I am like, I'm literally mentally preparing to basically go under the knife. They call my plastic surgeon and my plastic surgeon's like, we want to see you back in our office. I've been basically at this point running back and forth to all different rheologist's office, like running back and forth to the plastic surgeon. They don't know what to do with me. And I'm uncomfortable because this thing is ginormous. So finally they were like, there's obviously something in there. We're going to open you up. And I'm like, okay. And they're like, like, do I need to get my expander removed? They're like, what we're going to do is open it up. We're going to try to get whatever the infection is out and then we'll leave it open. We'll pack it with gauze to try to get whatever else of the infection is to drain out. And if we're going to pump you basically with so much antibiotic that if this doesn't clear up, then we have to remove the expander. So I was like, okay, like I'm not going in for like to have my full blown expander removed. So they basically cut me open, like squeezed out all of whatever the infection was in and then left me with like a packed wound. It was disgusting. It was like everything about it was disgusting. Like what came out of it was disgusting. Packing the gauze was disgusting. Thank God that I did not have like much sensation there because it would have been 10 times more painful than it, than it actually was. Then like, I had it was, like, packed with gauze and like, I had to take, Clindamycin antibiotic, 150 milligrams, I believe I'm like 95% sure it was 150 milligrams four times a day. So I was taking it when I got the medicine, it was like 3 p.m. So then I had to take it at 9 p.m. Then I had to take it at 3 a.m. in the morning. I had to set an alarm to take this um, antibiotic. So I was taking it four times a day. Like heavy duty antibiotic, and then I had to like the gauze had to get changed, and like I had an open wound that they were hoping was going to like drain. So um, I was on antibiotics, I guess, after this for it was like over a week. I couldn't work because I work with young children that I had to lift, and it was painful, and like I just couldn't, I couldn't risk having even like more, like trauma to that area and then causing this infection to not heal. You know, I was supposed to go on a work trip a couple of weeks later, like I needed to be like healthy and like not having surgery basically. Like I needed to take this seriously, so I had to take time off of work. I was going back and forth to the plastic surgeon to like get it comp- monitored and like I mean, it was exhausting and it was scary because the whole time The antibiotics that I was on, mind you, I am allergic to penicillin, sulfa drugs, and uh, Cipro. I have reactions anytime I take any type of antibiotic. So them trying to find an antibiotic that I could take was also a struggle. And then while they cut it open, they did cultures to try to see what type of infection I had to kind of target what antibiotics I could take that would fight off this certain type of infections. So I was also waiting for that culture to come back and it turns out when the culture came back I had a pretty bad staph infection. And luckily the antibiotics that I was on treated that specific type of staph infection. They you know they got out as much of the infection as they could and then left it open to hopefully have it drain as I was taking the antibiotics. They wanted my body to start healing the infection and then the rest of the infection kind of drain out of the incision that was left open. That was the entire point of them cutting open into the infection rather than just removing my expander or going in and taking the expander out, cleaning it. So it was like a way less invasive surgery than what originally was like proposed. So yeah, it was about a week and a half of like constant monitoring. And like, if it wasn't getting better, it was like at any time I could have ended up in like having a major surgery to have my expander cleaned out, remove the infection site. Be totally cleaned out while like, I'm under major anesthesia. Like it would have been a way more serious, serious. And in my head, that was what was going to happen because that's what they had told me until, you know, they had seen the site. They wanted to drain it and like try to treat it as much as they could. And it was, they thought it was because of also how big it was and where it was located and like what the, the redness looked like. They were like, this is localized. They, like the whole time kept saying, we think that this is localized. We don't think that this has like traveled you know, towards your expander, we think that this is just like a pocket of where this infection is. And that's why you have like such a hard buildup of infection in there. And they don't, that's why they didn't believe also that it had traveled. And like, that's why they also did not go just straight to removing my expander. But had the antibiotics not kicked in, that was going to be, that was going to be the next plan. So after a week and a half of being on the antibiotics, it looked like it was working. And um, I was able to finally unpack the the opening in my skin and was able to like finally get that to just start regularly healing because the infection underneath, you know, no longer needed to like drain out. And it kind of made me nervous because I didn't have much drainage anyways. There was not like a ton of like, like pus or any type of like liquid coming out of my drain. So I was like, is this working? Because originally the opening is there so that anything can come out. And I didn't have much of it, anything coming out anyways. The whole time, like I was really just on edge that like this wasn't working and the redness was going down. But again, I had a full blown opening in my skin. Like I had a full blown opening in the infection. So like, I mean, it was going to be red and swollen and, and inflamed anyways. So the whole time I was like, just in my head being like, I'm going to have to have surgery because everything else in my journey has been so difficult that nothing has been easy. And of course, this is going to happen to me. You know, I have an infection now, you know, it's been almost a full year since my, my, um, my lymph node surgery. And now I have an infection there. Like, of course, this is my luck. So I just assumed that I was going to have to have it. And luckily I responded beautifully to the antibiotics. I was able to close up the incision hole. I was able to finish the antibiotics and not have to have any type of surgery. I did have, you know, after, I think the following week, I ended up going back to the plastic surgeon and I still felt like there was like a lump, like not nearly as big, but it did feel like a lump. And they said, you know, we still think that you have some sort of pocket from where the infection was. We don't, we think the infection is fully cleared up, but we think that you have this pocket and We don't want to go in and operate to take the pocket out because of how close it is to the expander and you're already on antibiotics. And what we'll do is, is that if it's still that little pocket or that little lump is still there during your exchange surgery, we'll go in and we'll just remove the little pocket. Like we don't want to do any type of surgery. We don't want to cause any more trauma to that area. We don't want to cause any infection. And at that point I was like, I just wanted to go back to work. I wanted to just like not cause anything else that was going to like disrupt me getting my exchange surgery done in May. I wanted to stay on course. I didn't want anything else to, to interrupt, you know, my plan because in my head, this plan that I have right now needs to be in effect. I need to have my exchange surgery in May as planned because mental, my, my mental state would, would have been in the toilet if it, if anything else got disrupted. As of right now, I ended up going back to the plastic surgeon. So this is now the middle to end of March that we're in right now, end of March. So I had gone this past week and that little pocket of infection that I had, that little lump that I had has now completely like disintegrated. There's nothing there. It completely dissolved. And um, as of Friday of this last week, like I was able to schedule my exchange surgery for May 31st. So that was like the small win that I needed for my mental health. Truly. I really needed a win after the winter of just like pain and then infection and like just having that bump in the road of possibly having to have like another surgery and losing my expander. Like I needed this win. So Kind of everything that's gone on. and I go back to the doctor um, in a week and a half to talk about starting Tamoxifen. and you know, I'm still a little bit on the fence about starting it. I, I have kind of detoxed myself from the lupron and have now, for the first time in over a year of, you know, since basically my breast the beginning of my breast cancer journey, like I felt more like me. The the hormone shot is to shut down my ovaries. So it also prevents you from getting your period. And the my last Lupron shot was the beginning of January. I had gone February and basically refused it. And they had told me that it could take six to eight weeks for it to be fully out of my system. I had asked about when I would get my period again. My oncologist told me most people don't normally get their period back right away. And that I could get it back, you know, in three months or I can get it back in a year. It kind of all depends on how my body gets back on track. But I've noticed in the last probably two or three weeks now that it's been about six to eight weeks since I've been able to get the Lupron really out of my system that I've noticed like a big change. Um, I've noticed a big change in my pain. I'm still in some pain, but definitely not as bad as I was being on the Lupron shot and having the Lupron in my system. But I, I have felt more like myself in the last probably two weeks than I have since January, 2021. I, I, truly feel that way. I feel like I just, I have like energy and I just feel better in my body and in my own skin. And I'm just, I'm happy to have that out of my body. I want quality of life. I want quality. And if it has to be quality over quantity right now, then that's like a choice that I'm, I'm kind of willing to take. So we'll see how that goes. And yeah, I just kind of hope from here on out, it's smooth sailing.
1: Thank you all for listening and supporting our podcast. Sharing our stories with you has been incredibly healing for both of us, and we hope it helps other women in their journeys through breast cancer.
0: Ladies, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and fellow breasties. Help us reach more women by subscribing and rating us on Apple Podcasts, spotify and now on youtube you can follow us on instagram at tyfts podcast and email us at tyfts podcast at gmail.com we love hearing from you guys so shoot us a message we will link any resources from the episode in our show notes